Hi, and welcome to Sepa Stories. Okay, so in this episode, I have a story that is actually from Fantastic Beast. This is a competition piece that I'll be sharing uh, with you as written by the author. And the name of the story that I am reading, I did find this on fanfiction.net. The title of the story is called A Way Forward. Now, I'm not sure if I am pronouncing the author's pen name correctly. I think it's Farbatador. Farbatador. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing this. It's F-A-R-B-A-U-T-I-D-O-T-T-I-R. And I do apologize for maybe mispronouncing that. I'm sure I have. Um, Okay, so we have a summary that says, in a world that seems stuck in its prejudice and fearful past, Queenie is looking for a way forward. And when she attends a rally for Gellert Grindelwald, she realizes that she's not the only one. Is Grindelwald the answer they've been looking for all this time? So this contest piece, this is written for, this is part of the author's note, was written for the QLFC Profit Issue number 8 contest, and its specification is to write a villain in a positive light. So, um, of course, the author is going on to say that the story and its characters are from Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald, and of course, or as usual, it says, I own nothing of the world of Harry Potter. We do have some warnings of minor character death, um, and elements of post-traumatic stress syndrome. So with that, let's take a listen, and I hope you enjoy the story as much as I did. I kind of like the author's take in this fan fiction piece. Um, now we'll talk a little bit about the story. All right, we will begin now. Screams filled the Lestrange mausoleum as the vision from Grindelwald's skull hookah painted every inch of the domed room with a mural of horror. The crowd's minds were more frantic than the images before them, fear, anger distraught. Jacob shuddered and turned into her as an army tank appeared to roll into them. Queenie knew no matter how real the images felt, they were just a vision and the future was never truly set. Divination was an unreliable art at best, but for Jacob, whose thoughts she could always read the clearest, the images were more than real. He was back in the trenches of Europe, back in the Great War, experiencing profound loss as his closest friend died in his arms. She felt all of his grief and despair, she could almost smell the battle smoke and gunpowder in his flashback. This is what we are fighting, Grindelwald's words declared from the center of the circle. His occlumency was under attack with so many witches and wizards surrounding him, most trained in legitimacy and now all desperate for the truth. None of them were as gifted with the magical art as she was, though. Ultimately, though, it was Vendra Rosier's mind that betrayed the wishes of some attendees. Annihilation of nomads. That was what these purists truly wanted. 
She nearly gasped at the depravity of it, clinging to Jacob instead. The bright, silly smile she often wore to mask her disgust at humanity's deepest feelings found its way to her face. Grindelwald spoke on, reassuring the crowd of his noble intentions. Clarifying that he did not seek to exterminate the nomages, he wanted a free world, a world in which no one had to hide who they are or deny themselves a future due to being different. She saw his words as truth in his mind. He shared her vision for an accepting, tolerant world, the purest equisance, the less horrible of the crowd, the the innocents grew excited, supportive, re-energized as they conceptualized this mended world in their minds. To Queenie's relief, most people wanted what she wanted. Integration. They wanted a way forward without such constraints as Rappaport's law and the international statute for secrecy chaining them down and blocking them from happiness. They wanted to avoid another great war. The clearest pathway to doing so was through magical intervention, through assisting the nomages in the nonviolent ways, helping them to navigate a peaceful way. This was what Grindelwald proposed. Jacob squeezed her tightly, his thoughts now a full claustrophobic panic as of the enthusiasm of the idea of the non-magical being other but not worthless surged around him. His focus was entirely on escaping this room. She looked around, glazed a smile plastered on her face amidst the chaos of emotion, attempting to find a way out for him. Instead, she saw her sister. Her body froze. Tina's thoughts were anxious. Why is she even here? Queenie wondered. Do nothing when I tell you this, Grindelwald said calmly. Tina's mind started to race beyond her normal anxiety into a full panic. There are horrors among us. Casts followed. Then silence for most, but blaring noise for Queenie. So much pain and anger and hate. It was almost too much to bear, and she gripped tighter onto Jacob. Grindelwald stood there calmly talking to everyone to keep them from taking any action. They were all just there to listen, after all. No one had done anything wrong. He felt like a true leader, the opposite of what she encountered, and the President Prickery at Mokuza, who had so brashly arrested, arrested her sister. Quinnie didn't want to hear Newt's thoughts above the rest of the crowds. In fact, she hadn't even realized he was there until this moment. But they were so loud, so direct. Dumbledore was right, he thought. Someone is going to die. Then it happened. A young witch couldn't restrain her anger, hexing the closest horror who reacted before thinking. The killing curse. Instant death. It took Jacob longer than the magical folk to process the death of the young woman, but he did. Queenie reached to comfort him as it washed over him and seeped into every crack of reopened trauma in his sutured soul. 
as Grindelwald approached the young witch to check her pulse and confirm the assumption on everyone's mind, Queenie nothing, wanted nothing more than to protect Jacob from another war. The last one marred him more than he even knew how to comprehend. She knew he didn't really think she was crazy, not, not deep down. He just feared losing her as he had lost so many others. She had called him a coward for it. How callous she had been just days before. Go forth from this place and spread the word, Grindelwald commanded of the crowd. He continued to the center of the room after punctuating his point by concluding, It is not we who are violent. All right, my friends. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back to talk about this really interesting story. All right, I'll see you in just a few minutes. Hi, and welcome back to Seppa Stories. Okay, so let's talk about A Way Forward by Farba de Dor. I don't know if I've pronounced it, if I'm getting it. We'll try. We'll see. I'm having hard, I'm having technical difficulties pronouncing things. All right, so this story. Okay, I really like and love the level of complexity this story presents. All right, so politics and events and and changes in the world and struggle and conflict. There's there's never one side to any story or any viewpoint, and so many times that is why we disagree um, as a people on many things, on many issues, and. What I like about this story is, and I like the challenge that this was a contest piece, to write a villain in a positive light. Um, in watching the films, Fantastic Beasts, um, the very first one, when we were first introduced to Newt and Jacob and Queenie and Tina, and, you know, of course, it's the, the first film, I find Queenie to be a marvelously wonderful and sympathetic character. You know, I, I, there's nothing about the Queenie character that I don't like. I love her in the first film. In the second film, when Grindelwald has, of course, um, he's tried to manipulate things in the first film, and in the second film, you know, he's been imprisoned and he escapes. It's a pretty violent way that he escapes. And, you know, they, in the film, you know, they, they actually wipe out a whole family to take over the residence, you know, that, that he is actually staying in, I believe, in Paris. I have to go back and watch the film now. But, um, so we know that the Grindelwald character is not sympathetic and you know he's very much the villain in the film and so many times you wonder as history unfolds or as events happen you are left wondering as as a person in the world or as a reader or as a student of history you think to yourself you could see clearly that 
the motivations were not good or positive or in alignment with things that are moral or right or just. How do people follow um, bad leaders? Or how is it that they convince themselves to do so? And I thought this was a really complex piece of writing for being such a short fan fiction story. I thought that this particular piece of writing completely fulfilled the contest requirements of writing the villain in a positive light because, you know, when I watch um, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and now I really want to go see the film after reading this story, um, again, because I've watched it many times, um, when I read this story, you know, I'm, I'm very angry at Queenie for basically, you know, um, you know, Jacob calls her crazy and, you know, she's manipulating people around her and she's doing very wrong things herself and abusing her magical abilities. And she finds herself in the presence of Grindelwald and finds herself becoming a willing follower and you can kind of see, I think the story exemplifies, you know, very well how she has convinced herself that, you know, no, you know, he's not bad. He wants integration. No, he's not trying to take over the world. You know, he wants everybody to have worth, you know. And so she's starting to believe the story that Grindelwald is selling, you know, he's almost like a huckster. And we know that he is, you know, that he's ultimately doing things for himself. You know, he's he's very much got his own agenda. And so you kind of see what was a really well-loved character and sympathetic character literally self-delusion herself into following um, somebody that, you know, is her own sister, you know, is against Grindelwald. Jacob is there and he is, you know, afraid of the horror and destruction that Grindelwald could bring to the world. And so, you know, to see her being in support and, and scarier to be in a group of people who are convincing themselves that integration and, and equality and blending of magic and non-magic, you know, world, you know, is, is going to be their ultimate, you know, their ultimate end or the ultimate positive end. But she also catches this darker, scarier feeling that the purists in the group, they actually want to completely annihilate no matches. And so she's, she's terrified and repulsed by this. But she very quickly seems to kind of brush it under the rug, you know, when she thinks, well, there's other people who think like I do. So you kind of have this element of, well, you know, it's it's a bad idea, but it's not as bad as the worst idea. And then she justifies that it's not a bad idea at all. And she's like, well, I'm doing this for my love of, you know, this man, Jacob, beside me. I, I want to save him from himself without the character herself seeing that she herself is falling into a territory of what she will not be able to extract herself without without um, great pain and, and potential future loss and sorrow. 
I thought that it is poignant that, of course, in a working to Grindelwald's advantage, you had, you know, a, a person, you know, playing on the emotions, kind of cannot control herself, and she shoots a hex. And that hex, you know, the you have an Auror, who is a wizarding police officer, take extreme action, and he kills her. And, um, you know, Grindelwald immediately spins this. He says, you know, he, he spins it and works the situation to his advantage, you know, like almost selling it, almost convincing him, well, this is, you know, why you need to follow me to prevent things like this, where he says, go forth from this place and spread the word. It is not we who are violent, you know. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's that's insane, <laughs> you know. And in the film, this this happens, and so... Um, you know, you're, you're seeing this and, and you think to yourself, how can I be sympathetic? You know, right is right, wrong is wrong. But in this instance, you know, here you've got this, this slice of fiction and it is from Queenie's perspective and she's buying into the salesman pitch of what he is selling her, you know, this, this alternative, brighter future, but there is a darkness that is an undercurrent in it and circumstance and people's emotions, you know, they're, everyone is so on edge that the least thing is literally going to set off a powder keg. And that's the tension that Grindelwald is, is building. You know, if, if you stress a wire and pull it and pull it and pull it and pull it and pull it, eventually that wire is going to snap and it's going to roll back. And if you're in the way, you're going to get cut. And, um, you know, it's the Grindelwald character is very masterfully manipulating all of this. And... You know, the people that are there to witness it, it's almost like people witnessing a miracle or witnessing, you know, well, you know, this is, it, it validates what he's selling them. So I thought this piece of writing, you know, is, is a very dynamically written piece of fiction, fan fiction, that I think very well fulfills the contest's requirement of writing the villain in a positive light because you see the villain's perspective, you know, or a queenie who has fallen. She wasn't always a villain, but now she is no longer a hero. She's a fallen hero. And she's a sympathetic character who now is no longer so sympathetic. And you see the fallout of what can potentially happen. I like this story because it cuts off abruptly. A lot of times I would say, I want more. But this leaves you hanging on a cliff edge or like you're standing on that wires, razor's edge, you know, ready to tip either way. For a piece of fiction, fan fiction, this is amazingly effective. And like with the things happening in the world today, it's also um, incredibly poignant and, you know, it makes you think and... I had written to, to another fan fiction writer. We had had just a very quick conversation, and I had responded back, and, and I believe 
this as much today as any day that our stories teach us, you know, how to live. And I'm totally, totally lifting that off of, of a movie. <laughs> and it was a quote in a film, but, um, you know, it was a story about the Arabian Nights and Scheherazade in this film, you know, says the sentence, it says it's our stories that teach us how to live. And sometimes it's our stories that teach us how not to live too. So take this piece of beautiful writing how you will. I thought this was very well written. I liked that it's almost a novelization of the film, but you're getting insight into Queenie's thought process, which in the film she just looks so scattered and kind of all over the place. And I really liked that I could see in depth more to the character in this particular story, in this particular perception of the character. And I thought this was incredibly masterful writing because it felt so natural. Like if this were an actually sanctioned novelization of the film, this would work. This is a really strong piece of writing. This was an explosive moment in the film. And it very much echoes, you know, um, our non-magical lives today. So I think this is a relevant piece of fan fiction. And I think it requires some examination and really, you know, thought. And this is a story that I can tell you when I read this, I was like, oh, this is great. I had my, the hairs on my arms were standing up. Yes, I have hairy arms. <laughs> and, and, you know, the hair on the back of my neck kind of stood on end because I was like, oh, okay, you know, this is, you know, this is poignant. It, it has presence. And so I do very much strongly encourage um, you listeners, if you're reading on your own, get out there and check out more pieces by this writer. This is a wonderful piece of writing. It was sharp, well-defined. It was constructed tightly. It didn't say more than it had to. And I think this is a winner. This this is a beautiful, um, strong piece of writing. It, it didn't need to say more than it did. And it leaves you kind of feeling, when I read this, I felt distraught at the end of it. Because, yeah, you know, Grindelwald in, ends up manipulating the occurrences, this death, this unintentional death or this reactionary death, you know, and he spins it. And then you have to wonder... Was it an intentional or reactionary death? You just don't know. So, you know, the tensions are high and, you know, the, the feeling is, is very tense in the story. I think that tension stays with you. This is not a story that I finished reading and felt great about after. This was a story that I read and it made me think. So if, if you're looking for that, that's what this is to me. And I hope it was for you. And I can't wait to see what more this writer will produce because this writer is challenging me to think. And that's kind of rare in fan fiction. You know, a lot of times it's entertainment or it's beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with that. Every piece is a quality piece. And so many of our wonderful fan fiction writers are putting their very souls out there. And doesn't diminish it's just a different take and this is a different style this was a harder edge story for me and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did you know there's sometimes there's writers that are harder um, than others you know like you might have your Hemingway and then you have Truman Compote and then you've got you've got 
those writers that write about uncomfortable moments and that's okay so I like this story I thought this was really well written I can't wait to read more I hope you enjoyed this and thank you for listening to SEPA stories in our next episode I'm going to go ahead and preface this now I have a wonderful story and um, it's called it's called life debt and I can't wait for you to hear this. This is probably the longest fan fiction piece I have yet read. So this might actually go up in a couple of days, but I think you'll love it. And it's kind of got a really wonderful and, and sad story to kind of go along with it. And um, it's got a very personal feel for me. And so we'll be looking at this story next time. As always, thank you for following SEPA Stories. And I look forward to reading another amazing read for you. And we will see you next time. Be sure to follow me, share me, find me on Instagram. Um, check out Tumblr. I'm out there at SEPARAVEN200 on Tumblr. I am posting links and photographs and really kind of neat things as, as I find them. I'm also sharing and reblogging stories that I really like in case you would like to read them in print as well. Um, trying to think what else we're on spotify apple itunes breaker so um, google Podcasts. so check us out and if you like listening to these stories tell your friends or if your friends are into this or you've got friends that are writing um, give this a listen and thank you for joining us we will see you next time thanks for listening to seven stories